Well, we're a few weeks away from Easter, and um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm hoping that uh, a lot of the mandates and different things are going to be um, even more so out of the way, and, and so we're going to push for a nice big um, Easter service and invite some of our camp families and share the gospel, and so I'm looking forward to that. And so we're just going to start a series of two or three Easter preaches here, uh, um, services, and then we'll, we'll have our Easter service. But I just want to talk about the amazing cross and resurrection. And you can't talk about the cross without talking about this. In Hebrew chapter 10, verses 12, it says this, but this man, does anybody know that man? <laughs> His name's Jesus, capital M. But this man, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins, forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Just leave that there for a second. Let's just read that again. To me, this is one of the most, I mean, God's word's everything. But if you want to talk about the gospel, this is one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible, talking about the gospel. But this man, Jesus Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin, I'm actually talking about the father at this point too, sat down at the right hand of God. But this man, after offering, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, sat down at the right hand of God. Now that's key. Jesus Christ offered, was the offering and the offered, and was the offering of one sacrifice for sins forever. Again, just let that sink in. One sacrifice forever. What Jesus did at the cross was one sacrifice forever forever, which means you can't add to it. You can't take it away. The sacrifice that he made, and he made it once, was made to take away the sins of the world forever. You know what that means? You fall down this week, you don't need a new sacrifice. He already did it. 2,000 years ago, one sacrifice forever. Do you know that does not mean Jesus Christ and being good? No, it's not one sacrifice plus you and your works took away sin forever. It's not one sacrifice and you living a pretty darn good life until you die took away sins of the world forever. No, at that moment, one sacrifice forever. That is the guarantee of the gospel. That right there is the guarantee that one sacrifice, Jesus Christ, took away the sins of the world forever. Ever. That is so cool to me. So cool to me. Because I know I've had some bad days since I got saved, and I know I'm going to have a few bad more. I just know, not my fault, the people around me make me this way. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. See, right there, I needed that again, right? I'm a liar. <laughs> so, one sacrifice forever. And the most amazing thing is he didn't just forgive them. He removed them. He didn't just forgive them, he removed them. Let's, let's just look at this. Hebrews 8, chapters, chapter 8, verses 10 to 12 says this. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put their laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. 
None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother, saying, know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. I don't care where you go and who you listen to, but this is what the Bible says. Your sins and your lawless deed, God's remembers no more. Remember, we've been talking about boldly coming to the throne room of grace. That's why we get to show up there under the sacrifice of Jesus. Sins have been pulled away, pulled away as far as the east is from the west. He's not only forgave them, but he's remitted them. He's removed them to the point where he doesn't even remember your sins and your lawless deeds. And so when you stand before him, you stand before him justified, just as if you'd never sinned. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Yeah, imagine that, being standing before God had never sinned and you get to like pray to him. That's what the Bible says it's like. Just as if you would never sinned, justified. So he didn't just forgive them. He removed them. You know, I've been through a couple times in my life where I've had some bad tooth problems. Anybody had some bad tooth problems? There's only one thing that supersedes those. I've broken my collarbone and stuff. There's only one thing that was tougher than me for me than the bad tooth. That was those kidney stones. That was like, that was like, oh, I don't even want to think about it. I start to shudder. But I had these teeth problems. And if you've had them, they can be nasty, nasty, nasty. And so while I was waiting to get work done on my teeth, I'd been given some, some T3s to like numb a bit of the pain and whatnot. And so, you know, you, you start to take them and you feel, you feel a little better, but it's still there. It's still there. But when I went to the dentist office and he pulled that tooth, it was just like there had been an abscess in there, just like all this release of pain. And it was like, there was no question. The tooth was gone and you know, it was going to heal up a bit with the scar and stuff in there, but it was not going to bother me again. You know, they'd put a new tooth in, but it was gone. And my wisdom teeth, they didn't put new teeth in. They just pulled them when they were in bad situation and then it was gone. There's a big difference between taking T3s until you can get the appointment and then having that tooth pulled never to hurt you again. That's the difference. That's the difference with the Jews were waiting for until the cross of Calvary. They were waiting for this day. But when Jesus came, there was no more T3s. It was done. It was removed. Sin was removed forever, forever. Isn't that cool? Psalm 103, 12 says this, as far as the East is from the West, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As far as the East is from the West. That's awesome. You went this way, sin went that way. Now, do you sin? Sure. Are you a sinner? No, not anymore. You were. You were a sinner. Now you're saved by grace, which means you sin. You might act like a sinner, but you're not a sinner anymore. He's removed that. Your flesh might want to dabble in it, but as far as God is concerned, as far as the East is from the West, that's how far he's removed sin from us. That's the cross. That's Calvary. That is awesome. That is permanent relief, right? John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. All through the scripture, the Bible shows us that God, can, God and sin can't dwell together. They can't be together. They can't be together. 
God is too holy for that. That's why he had to come in different ways and mask himself in different ways because if the fullness of God ever hit, some, it, were, it was just gone. It was just, it was just eruption. You can't stand, an unholy person can't stand in the very presence and the holiness of God and still maintain his life. But now Jesus said, my father will love him and we will come and make our home with him. So God, through his spirit, moved in to us. See, it doesn't matter how fast you can run, how fast you can jump off something, jumping off a building, doing something. You, 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 you can't escape God. Why? He moved in. He literally moved into your spirit. But here's what I'm getting at, is you couldn't stand in the presence of God with sin, and now he moved in. So what took place? One sacrifice forever that remitted the sins of the world. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed our, our sins from us, enough where God moved in. Our spirits have been reborn. They are, our spirits are sinless. He moved in. We belong to him. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He makes his home in us. Whereas before, he couldn't even be in the presence, his full presence of a sinner. Now he's actually moved in. Whoa. Whoa. People are always so scared of this topic. And you know why? Because we think that if we really realize that God has forgiven all of our sins and removed all of our sins, that we're totally forgiven no matter how we act, that we're going to go act bad. We think, no, don't talk like this because we've got we to keep a little bit of works. You've got to be a little bit scared of God so that keeps you from acting bad. But that's the whole, that's anti-gospel. And that's what they were saying to Paul all the time. All the time they were posing this question. And he's like, should we sin? Because grace is abounded? God forbid. He said, why would I want to? He said, we read this thing. If we truly believe the gospel, he wrote his laws now on our heart. And now we all know them. Now we all know him. We have a connection to God one-on-one. -on -one, and he wrote his laws on our heart. And so why would we want to? Why would we want to? And if anybody who's continued in sin of any sort after they've been saved, you know what it's like. It's, it's not cool. I mean, you're trying to get the high. You're trying to get the high. But God doesn't leave you. Like I said, he moved in. So you go over here to sin. God moved with you. You go to this place to sin. God moved with you. You turn on this thing on your phone. God came with you. And so it's like not as fun anymore. Right? You know, it's like taking your parents when you're a kid to go do crazy stuff. It's not as fun. But... Because he's the creator and so wonderful and brings all satisfaction, all joy, all peace, everything that this world can't offer, when we turn to him, we realize he's much better than the high anyway. And that's the whole thing about the gospel. He takes out our stony heart and puts in a heart of flesh. He, put, he changes our spirit. He transforms us. And he writes his very laws on our heart. That's why when I see people go contrary to the Bible, I just think, oh my goodness. Not just what is going to happen to them because of the sin. It's like they're going to lose their minds in the process because it. It's horrible going on a sin run with God. <laughs> right? <laughs> Makes his home in us. You know what that means? Permanent fellowship. Permanent. Permanent. I love that. I love that. Hebrews 13.5 says it this way. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. 
For he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Now you see the other side of it. He's like, he's like, don't covet for something because what, what drives us to want something is, is this anxiety and fear that we don't have and we won't be taken care of or we need it. And God is saying, listen, chill. You got me forever, permanently. You have me. And you can come to me whenever you want. And I took your sins as far as the east is from the west and I moved in. And so you can talk to me and we can, you can talk with the creator of the universe. Why would you go and covet and try to, try to go after something in a fleshly way when I own it all? That's why he says, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. All the silver and gold is mine, he says. And I own a cattle on a thousand hills. All the cattle, right? It's like this relationship is what we're after with God. It's not this religion where it's like, okay, you know what? Like keeping this scared of repercussion of doing bad so that you don't do. That's the, you, they were doing that before Christ came. We might as well go and back under the law again. They were doing that, waiting for the day that they could be free from their sin. But that day came. That day came. And so now he's changed us. We're not trying to do better. We're being better. Does that make sense? We don't do anymore. We be. We be. You know, God says you're righteous. God says you're justified. And when God said, light be, what happened? So when he says, you're righteous and you're holy and you're justified, what happens? You are. Now, it takes some time for us to walk it out sometimes, but that's okay. We're in this process of sanctification, but we are transforming into the image of Christ. We are. Our hearts are changed forever. Right? Love it. He never leaves us. Never forsakes us. Never moves out. Permanent residence. This came a lot more real to me after I became a dad. And, and I mean, Jonathan's turning 16 here soon, so it's been a few years now. But, but I was like super protective of my boy. Like we'd go to parks and stuff. And maybe because he's an only child too, it might've been a little more, but it was so real to me during that process on how God was with me. It was like, we'd go to Disneyland and stuff like that. There's no way he was getting out of my sight. I didn't like him going with anybody else. He had to be like with me. And so obviously we got really close over the years because I was just, you know, in those younger years, but it was that thing and that also that understanding of, understanding what it's like to be a father and protecting what you have more than anything I've ever protected. And it's like, now God, and God would, would answer me in a, in, in, a, in a way, like, you know, if he were to answer that on my love towards my, my boy, he would be like, not even close to mine, you know? His love is, wow. Whoa. You can't get away from him. You can't, you can't get lost in a store from God, right? You can't get lost in a park from God. I remember when I was a kid, actually it was Disneyland too. We went to the, so one of the malls there and I took off with my mom and dad to look at the toys and, and they were looking for a for, for long, 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 long time. And when my mom found me, she was so mad and happy at the same time. I didn't know if she was going to kiss me or kill me. But I still remember that day and her reaction. I'd never seen her that frantic, right? And again, you're just seeing just a glimpse of God and what he paid for to have us in his presence and move in with him. Isn't that cool? Romans 8, 32 to 35. He who did not spare his own son. This is talking about the creator of the universe, our father God. This is talking about God. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. 
how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If he's given us his son, why wouldn't we expect him to give us all good things? Freely. He gave up his most precious to buy us. We're always wanting to downplay who we are to God. We're always wanting to, to say we're not worthy and all this kind of stuff. We are precious in the eyes of God. We are. How much would he freely give us all good things? And then he says, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. This is, I love this piece of scripture. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? For it is God who justifies. So all the people say, that, 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 pointing the finger at you and all this kind of stuff, and you're not worthy and all this kind of stuff. And, and you, know, you know, that's why we got to get rid of that gospel that's like, you know, God's mad at you. You better come to him or he's going to get you, right? No. You know, as I heard some, one other preacher say, if God would have wanted to get you, he'd have got you. It's not like he's got an issue, you know. But it says here, I love that. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? For it is God who justifies. So when the enemy starts to just pull at you and condemn you, it's like, who shall bring a charge against you? The most important one in all the universe has already said, I've justified you. I've already cleared you. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercessions for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Who shall? Nobody. Nothing. No incident. No circumstance. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. Go on to the next verses. For I'm persuaded, Paul said, that neither death nor life. Isn't that comforting right there? Whether we're here or whether we're gone, whether we're here, whether we die, nothing whether death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, good or bad, nor powers, spiritual powers, governmental powers, all sorts of powers, nor things present, nor things to come, things before, things after, things now, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So I have a question for you. What can separate you from the love of God? nothing, nothing. But you don't know what I've nothing. You don't know where I've got nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Now, does that make you want to go out and sin? Of course not. It makes you want to hang around with him, right? Nothing. Past, present, future, principalities, powers, might, dominions, any names, governments, anything. Sickness, disease, angels, demons, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And that's the only ticker right there. You know, after Jesus came, there's only one sin that takes us to hell. Only one. Not murder, not adultery, not lying. There's only one sin that takes us to hell. It's the rejection of Jesus Christ. That's it. Because the love of God is in Christ, that's it. Jesus! <laughs> Just be quick like that, right? Just be quick like that. You start getting, Jesus! That's it. I'm in. I'm in. I remember a preacher talking one time, and he told this story. He was, at this, he was asked to speak at this um, conference, and he spoke uh, um, on the love of Christ and that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I think he was here talking about that incident. When, anyways, anyways, he was sharing this story. And he said, 
there was this town alcoholic in a northern city that caused havoc, scared everybody in the whole town. Big, big, big boy. And he wandered in, high-eyed into the meeting. And he heard the preacher say, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this big, scary dude at the back yelled, Jesus! And ran to the front and kneeled at the altar. The elders and deacons came around him and they started to get him to say the sinner's prayer. And he's like, I thought you said all I had to do was call on the name of the Lord. And the preacher went over there and pushed them away. He's like, dude, you're saved. You're saved. You're saved. It's just like that. One sacrifice forever. Not plus, 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 plus. I got saved in one word. Capital J. Jesus. That's how I got saved. There was no sinner's prayer, and it happened totally in a moment. Any cool? Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Well, I'm just going to end right there then because that's a good spot to end before next week. Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus and you made a way for all of us. One sacrifice, the most precious sacrifice this world and this universe has ever seen, laid down his life and gave it for us. One sacrifice forever that took away the sins of the world as far as the east is from the west. Enough so, Lord, that you declare us clean enough and holy enough that you moved in. Father, we thank you you moved in. We thank you you changed our hearts. We thank you, God, that we belong to you. We thank you, God, for your presence. God, we know where we go, you go, and in those moments, sometimes it feels not so good. But we wouldn't have it any other way. Thank you that you're leading and guiding us into all truth. You're taking us from glory unto glory, from faith unto faith. Thank you, God, you are turning us into the image of your Son. Thank you, God, in the name of Jesus. Amen.